I mean, at the, at the heart of what we're doing and, we're, and what we're living into is developing a practical method of spiritual parenting. Mm-hmm. And I say spiritual parenting because we're carving out a niche that sits in between the traditional approach, which is church, mm-hmm. you could say, and a more modern secular approach that might pull in, say, mindfulness, mm-hmm. but we believe has a missing piece, which is this point about spirituality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, we are influenced by uh, the research coming out of Columbia University, a professor there named Lisa Miller. And she she wrote a book called The Spiritual Child, which I'd recommend for your listeners. And she also just recently in July published her second book called The Awakened Brain. Mm -hmm. And in it, she talks about how Uh, children who grow up with a relationship to something more, it's kind of spirituality that we're pointing to. Uh, They have lower rates of depression, uh, lower, lower incidence of um, addiction to to substance substance abuse, and simply are just more prepared for the ups and downs of life, greater well-being. Welcome to the Face Transition Podcast. In this episode, I have a great conversation with Drew Hansen and Amanda Suarez, who created the platform and movement Uplift Kids. Reading from their bios, Amanda has spent 20 years experiencing our education system from every angle, in addition to completing a bachelor's in elementary education and a master in school psychology, Amanda has volunteered in many capacities inside schools. She's convinced that what kids need most are relationships filled with presence and love, where they can safely learn. She believes kids are capable of being with whatever life brings to them, both the beauty and the pain. She's on a mission to help children, including her own four kids, stay connected to their inner aliveness so that they can show up in the world as the most honest and diluted version of themselves. Drew was initially drawn to business for its potential to positively impact the world. In his career, he built and sold three companies, consulted several in the Fortune 50, and published over a hundred articles in Forbes on topics such as creativity, innovation, strategy, leadership, team building, and economic system change. But despite the success, these experiences caused him to question whether business is indeed a force for good. Uplift represents the change he wishes to see in the world. He believes in the power of people to harness their collective wisdom to manifest a more sacred economy today, not tomorrow. You'll find in the show notes where you can connect with Amanda and Drew on Instagram, Facebook, and of course on their website, upliftkids.org. And I really hope you'll go and explore all that is available to you there. Amanda and Drew, welcome to the Face Transition Podcast. I am excited to have you on this morning to learn more about uh, you and your journeys, your faith journeys, and your really exciting project that you have on that you're going to tell us more about. 
But first, I want to give you a few minutes to introduce yourself and maybe share your connection with the LDS Church, maybe help us out with the timeline a little bit as to when you transitioned. So let's start with Amanda. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Yeah, so I was born several generations deep um, in the Mormon church on, on both sides, both parent sides of my family, very rooted. And I had a solidly um, Orthodox upbringing. I'm in church every Sunday, no coffee, no Coke, no swimming on Sundays, you know, 6 a.m. seminary in high school. Uh, so when I married in the temple at 20 and started having um, the first of my four children uh, in my early 20s, I sort of set on the track of giving them that the same life that I had had um, growing up. And, you know, I'd always been drawn to work with children um, right out of high school when I was 18, um, my dad was in the bishopric and I begged him to please put me uh, in the primary to work with children right uh, right at the get-go. So, you know, I've spent 20 years, over 20 years, not just raising children, um, but in programs that support children in the church. And increasingly, I just, I was dissatisfied with uh, the materials that the church provided Um, to support children. I just felt like um, so much of the materials externalized um, children's inner authority and inner knowing. So much of it was about um, external behavior. Um, So that really kind of laid the root of thinking about how how do we really support children's um, spiritual development. But in terms of my own transition out of the church, I would say it was sort of a death by a thousand cuts. Um, there were just so many um, things along the way that I felt uncomfortable, issues related to uh, uh, the church's treatment of women, issues related to social um, things. And it was probably, uh, I lived in California during Proposition 8 in, in 2008, which is uh, the church did a huge push to um, uh, support legislation that would uh, keep marriages legally be- between men and women. And that was at a time where I thought, man, is, is my participation in the church actually uh, causing more harm than good? Um, up until that point, I sort of had this story that, you know, the church institutions change slowly. Um, the church will eventually shift on issues, social issues, issues around women. Um, and that was the time where maybe the cracks widened for me. And I thought, um, this may ultimately not be the best place to support me and to support, um, my children spiritually. So, yeah. And it was ultimately when my own children decided, uh, they weren't feeling, um, really fed by participation in the church. That's when, uh, we all ultimately stopped participating. Yeah. So how many years was that? Like how old were your children were when you left? Um, so I have a range of ages of children. Um, right now, I have a daughter that's 20, a son that's 18, a son that's 15, and a son that's eight. So my three older children um, were all baptized and, you know, participated a lot. They had a very different upbringing than, than my youngest. 
Um, and so it was right around uh, the time my daughter, she was in Young Women's, um, and my two sons were um, pretty involved in Scouts. That was kind of around the time that, um, yeah, we, we all stopped uh, attending and participating. That's, that's interesting. So everyone was on board and they, you didn't have some, some who wanted to stay in and others who were okay leaving. No, no, it was, uh, it was a really open process and conversation in the family. And I, you know, I didn't, uh, my transition out wasn't, um, very fiery. It was, uh, it was kind of a gentle transition out. And I had told my kids all along, you know, as long as you want to participate, I will be there every week and um, we'll go. And it was interesting that once they tuned into what they wanted, it was pretty clear that that's, that's not how they wanted to spend their Sundays and their time. So that, that makes it easier when, you know, everybody's on, on board. And what about your spouse? Was he also like just same or yeah so um I had a whole that's probably a whole a whole different story he also transitioned out of the church he um was a convert to the church uh in his late teens and um so he was transitioning out of the church and we were also uh divorcing at the time so the church wasn't the was not the reason uh, for, for our divorce. It just uh, happened to all be happening simultaneously. There was a huge shifts in meaning making process for everyone at Mm -hmm. at that time. So that's a lot. That's a lot. And I can relate to some of it. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) timing may be a bit different, but yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you, Amanda. Thank you for the, the introduction and I'll let Drew introduce himself and tell us who he is and his relationship with the church and where he's at right now. Sure thing. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having us on, Juliana. I was uh, born and raised in the church. I grew up in the suburbs outside Washington, D.C. And I really loved growing up there, uh, even as a, <clears throat> as a young person, like appreciated the, the diversity that was available there. And even my kind of uniqueness as a Mormon on the East Coast. I uh, went to BYU, served a mission, and continued on uh, like this path of um, how do I want to put it? I was, was kind of on like the mini Mitt Romney track and uh, was very interested in achieving different milestones. And so I think there was a way in which my upbringing in the church pointed me in that direction. And went to work for Bain as a, as a management consultant and um, did a startup that was sold to Forbes. And uh, it wasn't until my late 20s when I was living in New York City that a lot of that started to unravel. And I was asking questions about my faith, but also uh, decisions I had made in my life that I think were bound up in my faith, my, in my upbringing and the influence that I had there. And so I, it was about 10 years ago now when I started, started the transition out of the church and it really came out of um, a spiritual hunger more than anything else. There were ways in which uh, I was not being fed. And I think I was finally arriving at a point where I was accepting that I wanted to explore things and that I had always been 
um, spiritually sensitive and precocious. And that part of me got kind of closed off, I think, as I was you know, forming who I was as a young person. And I, I looked more like Amanda was saying towards like external markers and behaviors and how did I need to like perform? Um, and, and so that started a, you know, a 10 year journey that continues of um, discovering kind of who I am in my essence and a more authentic expression of my spirituality. And um, I think, you know, that whole experience uh, underscores my participation in uplift and what motivates me um, because in, especially in recent years, a lot of my journey has been about reconnecting and reclaiming this inner child and allowing him to really lead my life. And, you know, when I left the church, it wasn't out of bitterness and I was really quick to acknowledge the ways that had given me a helpful foundation. It wasn't until years later when it sort of snuck back into my life and I became more aware of uh, some anger that I had and began to acknowledge that and admit to myself that there were ways in which the church had harmed me. And so for me, uplift is an opportunity to create what I wish I'd had and to, I think, empower parents to create a protected space in their home to allow their children to be who they are and to be in a kind of joint journey of discovery and nurture, nurture a natural spirituality and we can get into more of this later, but there's fascinating science that's emerging around the importance of spiritual development and, uh, and that all shapes what we're doing at Uplift. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Where, where in DC were you growing up? I, oh, I grew up, <clears throat> yeah, I grew up in Fairfax County. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're familiar with the area. Yeah. I was in Alexandria, Virginia for like a year and I really loved it. DC Virginia area like that's like my first um experience in in the U.S. you know coming from Belgium and learning English and so I have like a tender spot in my heart for that whole (laughs) yeah 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 and then when were you at BYU like what years let's see 2000 I graduated from high school in 2001 Mm -hmm. and served my mission from 2002 to 2004 all right right. so I was at BYU until 2007 yeah, so you're you're youngster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we were not there at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. And before we we jump into uplift and and you explaining what it's about and uh, what you want to do with it, I'd like to, I'm curious to know where you are at spiritually today. Like uh, you, I think you explain a little bit through and I'm, I'm curious Amanda what you have found for yourself and what suits you today and would you what you call yourself or not call yourself or I'm always interested to know where people go from where they came from yeah I mean I have no problem identifying deeply as as Mormon I mean it is just so part of of my being um how I was uh like socially constructed in the world. Um, so I have, I mean, I, I identify with those roots. Um, and I'm at a point in my life where I will glean wisdom and spirit from whatever source, uh, that I find it. So I've been fed 
deeply from participating in uh, meditation communities. I'm fed deeply in poetry. I Christian contemplative practices. Uh, I love. Yeah, there's there's no place that I uh, won't turn toward for spiritual feeding and 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 wisdom. It's very interesting. So, would you? kind of if you had to name it call yourself like a humanist or are you just want to like stay away from labels <laughs> yeah I mean I we need labels right if we don't well, have labels I, it's hard I don't to... like labels and I, yeah. I I stay away like personally as, as far as I can but I think we need language and communication sometimes so we do need to kind of define things uh otherwise we can't communicate and we can't understand. I'm, I'm, I have hard times with <laughs> putting stickers or. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I feel the same. I feel like, yeah, the, I mean, it's the words create worlds, like they create our universe. Um, and then sometimes we get stuck inside of those universes. Right. But yeah, I mean, I identify as a deeply spiritual. I, I believe in God, transcendence, divinity, spirit, whatever you, whatever label we choose to put on it, um, that's just a fundamental part of um, my belief, my identity, and the way I live. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What about you, Drew? Similar in, in a lot of ways, I think in terms of labels, I generally would say that I'm spiritual. Mm-hmm. and not not really religious uh but like amanda you know i don't shy away from my mormonness uh i'm, I'm really interested in uh my lineage and the ways in which that shaped me and also i don't know the ways in which uh there are opportunities to kind of build on my family history there's uh, we have a lesson in, in at uplift about telling family stories. Mm-hmm. And it's it's based on research from social scientists about the, um, the power of children developing uh, like intergenerational identity. Uh, and and basically, sim- simply put, children who understand where they come from and that where they come from includes both really hard experiences as, as well as a lot of the success. Mm-hmm. Uh, grow up to be more resilient because as life has its ups and downs, inevitably, they're able to connect to um, something that feels tangible in them for, you know, that this will change and that this can, that they can, they can ride that wave of the ups and downs. They're not alone in that. that They're a part of a whole stream of human history and, and their roots. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. I'm, I really like that, and it seems like um, whatever you're doing, um, you you tend you do the research for it, and you look at the science for it, which um, I really like that. From what you said, being spiritual, non-religious, that's usually how I kind of define myself because I I do embrace the spirituality in me. I do see it's important. I I kind of ran into the arms of Buddhism, and mm-hmm. and what I found in. Um, Buddhist philosophy and uh, meditation practice is like this real support for not knowing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If anything, I would, I would, and again, I don't want to 
fit myself into any box, but Buddhism, Taoism, and all of these kind of universal truth and non-pushy, you know, ways of believing and developing ourselves from the inside out, you know, and really seeking our own gods, you know, within, and, and then going from there. That's definitely uh, resonate with me too, as well. Love meditation. That's like my daily, it's a daily practice for me for so many reasons, but yeah. Truth seeker kind of find themselves. I mean, we may not have the same wording or, but we find ourselves wanting and seeking those same things, which are universal truth in the end, you know, of just embracing all the good and all the beauty and all, it's like a unity that comes um, and we kind of start fitting into that, understanding better what it means. Yeah, your way yeah. of explaining it resonates very deeply with me. I mean, if there is a label I would claim, it would absolutely be seeker. Mm-hmm. I have felt that kind of like this deep yearning for connection since early, early childhood, mm-hmm. really. And it's looking underneath, like what is really looking under the hood of yeah. reality. Yeah, of there's experience. so much. Yeah, There's so much yeah. and and leaving breaking those bounds of you know being told you know the prescribed way and how to be how to think like once you break all these cords um it opens up to so much more and not to say that they aren't you know a risky path that there can be but there's just so much that can be discovered yeah absolutely and all of that is closed when you're like a religious person and you see everything as evil and you don't even you won't even think about exploring in that direction yeah and then that's when i say like there's really no source i would not turn to um for to find that experience of transcendence and connection really no source i wouldn't turn to where i can't find myself you know (laughs) like i see myself in all of these areas. And I do feel like I need to clarify, I, I described my exit from the church as, as gentle, and that's true. Um, and it's also true uh, that it's been a deeply, deeply disturbing process, like discovering all the ways that I have divorced myself from my own authority, yeah. from my own knowing. Yeah. And, and yeah, all of these practices are kind of a, a way of like reclaiming um, my own inner knowing, uh, and so much of uplift has been motivated by like, how do we keep this from happening to kids? How do we keep kids connected to their, to their own inner knowing connected to their own direct experience as much as we possibly can? Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I'm, and we're going to transition there in just a second. Um, but it totally, what you just said reminds me of the fact that it's not just religion, you know, us as parents can also impose, you know, certain ways of seeing the world and viewing the world and, and having those prescribed ways to be with our children regardless. And I was really excited. I mean, at first it was scary, right? Because when you come from the church, everything is laid out, you know, exactly what to do, what to say, what, what to give your kids growing up. But once you pull away, it's like, okay, now how do I build back those foundation? And I'm glad that, you know, my ex-husband and I, we, we decided that we also didn't want to impose our views on our kids. We didn't want them to be us or like, think like us, but to develop their own ways of thinking. And for me, uh, personally, I found this book, which you may be familiar with, like Philosophies for Kids, 
where it's a lot of questions, asking a lot of questions and letting them find the answers. And you can be a little bit of a guide and show them where they can find more answers. But basically you just help them discover on their own who they are, what they think, how they want to choose. And, and it's been beautiful because it's been a few years now and that has been our, our practice with our children. And it's been beautiful to see them develop on their own, their understanding of the world, what they accept and not, not accept. And, and they're very kind and loving kids and not having a prescribed religion like, like their dad and I had did not like destroy them, right? All the opposite. I think they're way more open-minded and evolved as children than we ever were. On that note, I'm going to let you <laughs> introduce Uplift. Tell us all what it's about, how you came to uh, create it, and what's, what's your goal with it, uh, you know, everything about it. Sure. Well, just to bridge what you were saying just now, I mean, everything you were saying just resonates. We hear what you were speaking to repeatedly from our customers they, they say that they've searched high and low for a curriculum, something that they can uh, build upon, that they can use to give their kids a foundation. And in many ways, it's, it's, they're in a challenging point in their transition where they're not sure how much how they can trust themselves in a lot of ways to, to offer something to their kids. And they also don't want to impose and be too prescriptive or or even so far as to indoctrinate them. And, and so at Uplift, we're interested in equipping parents with a framework and with language that they can choose from and practices that they can try out to create spiritual experiences at home with their children. And uh, it really was born out of an experience that Amanda and I and two others had in a nine-month nine, <clears throat> nine program we're uh, put on by a, mindful, a mindfulness community that we're a part of, and we were just paying attention and we were just noticing in ourselves and in those uh, around us, our fellow participants, what's going on in their lives. And we felt a lot of pain and a lot of challenge because many of these folks had, um, you know, were in a wrestle with their experience with their religion, and many of them had, had left religion. And they were wondering, well, what do I, what do I teach my kids? How do I go about this in a new way? And so we decided to do something about it. And from that, that, that was the seed of uplift. And we, uh, we quietly released it and made it available in January of this year. So it's still relatively new, but we've been really heartened by the uptake as we have you know, hundreds of families that are using it now. And um, what they report is really exciting for us because of the impact we believe that we're having and we can have. So yeah, currently Uplift is a curriculum and lesson library. Uh, every week we add a new lesson to that library and the topics can range. On the one hand, uh, we cover classic virtues that are found across cultures. Think um, honesty, forgiveness, kindness, compassion, right? Uh, and on the other hand, we delve into more timely topics, things like uh, digital technology or anxiety, bullying, sexuality. And um, regardless of the topic, we, we look at it through two lenses. 
and you've picked up on this a little bit already, but we look at it through uh, what does wisdom say? What, what, what do kind of ancient timeless wisdom have to say about this topic? And also what's the latest scientific research say? And how can we blend those lenses and discover where there's an overlap? And also what do each of those lenses uniquely reveal that uh, is important? And so that gives um, parents not only flexibility to pick and choose, like what do they wanna share with their kids? What conversation do they wanna start? But also they can trust in the rigor that's behind it. And we make it, we you know, package it up in a way that makes it really easy so that they can be confident and they can just start. That's really great. I really like that. I really like um, the combination of wisdom and, uh, you know, research, because to me, you know, science is not perfect, but has a lot to say <laughs> about what works and doesn't work. Um, in uh, yes and and they don't always have to be in conflict in fact i i do love when you know science and and spirituality meet each other like meditation is now becoming so common because mm -hmm. science has proven that it works you know on, on so many levels and can show in the brain and because people i think some people have a hard time getting on board with good things if they don't see the scientific you know uh research behind it. So I, I think it's, it validates, uh, not to say that science always has have to have a say in, in, you know, what we embrace or whatnot, but to me, it makes it so much more powerful when, when it, it does. So. I like yeah. That. And I think given who our customers are, the science is really reassuring because without, without it, uh, I think it can raise some fears and some questions mm -hmm. uh, given, you know, the role that traditional religion has played and the claims that are made. Mm -hmm. Is it another dogma or, you know, mm -hmm. prescribed, you know, way to be. Exactly. To see that. So tell, tell me more, tell us more. Uh, how do yeah. you, how, yes. How do people start? What age range is it for? Uh, what are, you know, the needs or the questions that you receive that your product would answer? Yeah, I mean, really, what I think what I'd like to do is show you a lesson, and we can we can kind of talk through it and voice over it in a way that your listeners can follow along. Okay. Uh, but we have um, we have content for kids ages four to seventeen. Mm -hmm. And um, can you see this here on your screen? Yes, I can see it. So we see um, it's a beautifully uh, built website. <laughs> simple and yet colorful yeah <laughs> so yeah we've got um we've got a lesson here in front of us about conflict how to how to face each other with love and i'll walk us through it and we can you know we can just do q a as we go through it but every lesson that we produce at uplift uh, contains an optional preparation guide for parents and then the actual lesson flow starting with an opening activity for the whole family, age-specific content for, uh, for the kids, and then a closing family activity to pull it all together. And, you know, some, some parents will take the kind of outline as it's been given to them and just sit down with basically no prep and go through it. And it's like a 20-minute experience unless it wants to go longer that they do on like a weekly basis. And other parents will cherry pick and they'll find something 
that excites them, an activity, a suggestion in a lesson topic, and they'll like inject it into mealtime or bedtime. And so it can just be like a five minute little conversation that gets going. Here we have a, you know, the preparation guide for this lesson and it starts with reflection questions for parents. For example, this one asks, what was conflict like in your family growing up? How have you continued similar patterns in your home now? It's, a, it's an invitation to introspect a little bit and consider yeah, how these patterns are being passed down and um, what you might want to do differently. What we hear from our customers is that um, these questions really help them get in a certain mindset. And especially when they are, you know, they have a partner and they're parenting together, uh, they start to have conversations about topics that they wouldn't maybe otherwise be having. Um, and so it's also just like really helpful for them individually, independent of anything that they want to share with their kids. And then we uh, highlight passages from wisdom traditions. And in this lesson, we've got passages from Zen Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, you know, Greek philosophy and, and uh, kind of its tradition. And again, all of that just begins to help orient a parent to the topic into a certain kind of tone. And it's a good reminder too of just how deep these topics run in the human experience. And if we've been talking about it for this long, it must be important and significant. Yeah, here we have uh, this next section in the preparation guide includes suggested resources that we've curated. And these are more in-depth articles in the event that uh, a parent wants to dive deeper, right? They may be not as familiar with the topic or they're curious, they've got specific questions. Um, we've, what we've tried to do is really pull out the nugget, the insight from these resources so they don't have to spend a lot of time but it's also available there if they, if they want to spend more time. Uh, just as an example, there's this one here on the value of conflict and uh, you know, saying that conflict is a beautiful thing. We live in a, a culture with a sort of happiness addiction and aversion to conflict. Conflict is not the problem. It's only the ongoing conflict that is never resolved that becomes problematic. And, and this is like a, a theme that you'll see woven through the rest of the lesson where we've taken conflict and, and reframed it to say, this is actually an opportunity, an opportunity for greater intimacy. And, um, and there's a way in which we've scaled that down for kids of every age. Yeah, it sort of represents a perspectival shift than what we typically teach children about conflict. We typically frame it as some, a problem that needs to be solved or you know, conflict is something we can avoid. Um, but what we learn when we delve into the wisdom and the research is that conflict is, is absolutely necessary. It's necessary for growth. Um, and it create, it, it, when engaged properly, conflict creates deep intimacy in our relationships, so. Yeah, so, so if you were to give me an example, um, and I don't know if you're familiar, one of my favorite books, it's, it's more like political conflict and whatnot, but it's uh, the, the Anatomy of Peace. Have, have you guys read that? It's, it's really good. Uh, talks is, the Ar so is that by the Arbinger Institute? Yes. Uh -huh. 
Okay, I'm, I'm not familiar with that specific book, but Bonds That Make Us Free was kind of like my gateway, mm-hmm. one of my gateway drugs into uh, greater wisdom traditions and texts. Yeah, so that one is was uh, kind of diving into the you know Israeli-Palestinian conflict and and showing how things could possibly work and he was taking all sorts of example but anyways it's it's kind of the same it's you know conflict is part of the human experience but it's what you do with it how you deal with it and definitely opportunity for growth and um deeper connection but what i wanted to see is um if you know if you had to kind of give me like a five minute example of how would you teach this to like a a five-year-old maybe drew and then amanda to a 17 year old like the same topic but different different yeah yeah well at first i'd just like to respond to what you said about anatomy of peace because Mm -hmm. actually in uh the quotes that we took from different kind of wisdom passages there's this one here by a journalist dorothy thompson she says peace is not the absence of conflict but the presence of creative alternatives Mm -hmm. again that's that that shift that amanda is speaking to it's not about eradicating it. It's about how skillfully we can navigate it. Definitely. Uh, in terms of your question, I think we're about to come to it. Okay. So, um, it'll, it'll show up here just in the flow of, of the lesson itself. And if, uh, if we don't cover it adequately, you know, I'll ask questions. Yeah, ask again. <laughs> um, awesome. <laughs> so, so now we're now kind of leaving the preparation guide. And again, for a lot of parents, they'll just jump right to this part. And this is where we've uh, offered uh, kind of an intention, attention getter, an opening activity. In this case, it's just a funny video of a, of a few toddlers in an argument. And it just highlights just how like, you know, deeply human and common it is to, to uh, encounter conflict. Yeah, to be in conflict. <laughs> and like where that comes, and then, like it also sort of shows like it comes from patterns that are passed down. Like there's a lot that this one minute video reveals. And um, it's really designed to just spark the conversation and get it going. And to, so if um, people go to upliftkids.org, they can see that already or do they have to be signed up to be able to access that? Yeah, our, our lessons are uh, part of our membership that we offer. Mm-hmm. Um, if folks go to our website, they can sign up for our mailing list and we give them a free lesson. That lesson happens to be on the topic of, uh, of lineage. And then we also offer a two week free trial where they could go into our lesson library and pick any, Mm -hmm. any topic that speaks to them and review it and try it out all for free. Yeah. Uh, So after, you know, the video, then we offer a way for parents to really frame up the rest of the conversation, as well as how do you approach this for a teenager versus like a five-year-old. And in this case, what we, what we do is we talk about conflict styles. And again, this comes out of uh, the research literature. And uh, you can, might think about it a little bit like, I know you had Jenny Morrow on recently, and you talked about attachment styles, which is like a bedrock in psychology. And conflict styles are maybe kind of a similar thing, but how we engage with conflict. And so what we've done is we've translated that literature into a really kid-friendly terms, and it correlates with brain science. So we can think about conflict styles as fight, flight, and freeze. So we've got in front of us now just like this simple chart that we've created that's printable. A parent can can leave it around in the home as a reminder, but it succinctly 
describes each of these styles. So fight being characterized as feeling anger, wanting to control the situation, and it leads to resentment, uh, backlash. Fleeing is characterized by feeling anxiety. It leads to isolation and separation. And freezing is characterized by feeling numb, wanting to simply like kind of give in and comply, oftentimes to stay in the relationship, to preserve the relationship. And it leads to a detachment of this from the self. And so we can see that, you know, we all have a preference. We'll have like a default style that we go to when we're in conflict and they all have their gifts and limitations. And the, the essence of this lesson is to support the whole family, including kids of every age and being more aware of what's their go-to and how does that serve them? And in what ways is that helping them get their needs met? And in what ways is that actually um, causing a rupture in their relationships and their closest relationships? And so as we move through this lesson, you'll see the ways in which we, we support this greater awareness and also how to, um, how to mature one's expression in their, their style and ideally even begin to move through conflict in this fourth way, this fourth F that we've offered, which is to face. And this is where people learn to turn toward conflict and to stay in relationship and to uh, address it from a place of calm and confidence and to discuss and listen. And that when done, you know, done well and skillfully, it leads to the resolution of the conflict. And actually, as Amanda was pointing to, uh, a strengthening of the relationship and deeper intimacy. Yeah, and really what this does is offers a framework and language to make object the ways we relate in the world so often, especially in patterns and in close relationships, the ways we're relating are so routine, they become invisible. We don't, we don't see it. So by having language to identify fight, flight, freeze modes of uh, conflict, uh, engaging in conflict, kids are, it gives them a mirror. They're able to start to see how, how am I in the world? How am I in relationship to my mom? How am I in relationship to my dad? And it just offers just some framing to start um, engaging in, in those conversations. Yeah, we uh, kind of skipped over this uh, a moment ago, but at the end of the preparation guide in parallel to the wisdom that we include is also the science, of course. And there's uh, this statement by a developmental psychologist about just how often teens experience conflict three, three or four times a day with their parents, once or twice with friends. And, and he says that conflict offers an important mechanism through which individuals in a, in a relationship balance competing needs, facilitating individual growth and development. That's really like kind of like the take home. That's like the promise of this lesson that a parent can, can be confident that, they, that by introducing this topic and making more explicit these modes that Amanda's talking about, they can trust in the fact that they are supporting their child's growth and helping them to um, you know, become an adult that will be able to really navigate this well. Yeah, that's great, I like it. So now we're, we're jumping kind of into the section here that will answer your, your earlier question more directly um, because we're moving into the age-specific content. 
And so the, the rest of this lesson takes this framework and um, helps kids at, of these different ages to be aware of their tendencies. And so with teens, given kind of where they are developmentally and what's age appropriate, um, we offer a more com complex approach. So we actually note by name the three conflict styles uh, as, they're, as they're known in, in the research literature, which is aggression, avoidance, and accommodation. And we, and we have a series of like reflection questions that they can move through to understand both the limits of these styles as well as the gifts. And how do you envision teaching that to teens who are usually not really willing, wanting to just sit down with their parents and listen to a lesson? Like what, how, what do you tell people, you know, parents to approach that? <laughs> Let's say I want to teach that to my teens, you know, like different ways to approach conflict. Like how would you facilitate or, or help parents implement that lesson? So the lessons are actually quite, flexible. Um, if, if teens are open to it, it can be uh, a comp this, the age specific sections, it can be direct engagement um, with parents, but it's also something teens can work through on their own. Um, we're careful in the age specific sections to make the language and the concepts really developmentally appropriate. So it's, it's something that a teen can also do um, on, on their own. On their own. Yeah. That's really cool. I'll, I'll just add that this particular lesson we had in our queue for a while, but it was, you know, kind of down the list in terms of priority. And then one of our customers reached out and said, uh, would you be willing to create something on conflict and conflict resolution? When I talked to this, uh, this customer, this mother, she shared that her son had gotten in a fight with his cousin at the pool. And um, this was actually really disruptive to her because she's a single mom and she had plans that night to go um, see a friend she hadn't seen in years. And the fight between the cousins was severe enough that she didn't feel comfortable leaving her son with um, his aunt, mm -hmm. which was, was, was the whole plan. Mm -hmm. and so she had this whole conversation with him. She had to rearrange her night and, um, after we produced this lesson, she was able to go through it with her son and he was able to identify like, oh, I see how this connects to, like she didn't name, time had passed, she didn't name the conflict, but he was able to see, oh, this actually will help me. So there was like a kind of a, an immediacy and a relevancy mm -hmm. of the topic. And, and I think that that also could be helpful is it's not so much like, it's not a top-down prescribed do this lesson this week, it's like, what's in rotation in the home? Like what conversations like already happening and just needs a little bit of shape and structure. Mm -hmm. And a team could very well, you know, do it on their own. Yeah, yeah. Or you can just give it to them as an assignment. Go <laughs> 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 do some homework. <laughs> See how they respond to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll jump ahead here. And so uh, again, this, so this is another section, same topic for preteens think maybe eight to 12 and we've got a, an original comic. So with every lesson we have uh, a comic that comes out and this one illustrates a dog and a cat giving each other a hug, uh, you know, making amends. And it's the same idea, but simplified, right? Distilled down to a younger age. 
and you can see, and again, we've got videos here that are embedded as well that make it interesting and are, are geared toward these different ages. And we've found that um, we've, our customers have reported just how engaging that's been for their kids. Well, that's great. That's great. Especially, I think, as parents, we find ourselves sometimes at loss, even though, you know, we have all that knowledge, but like in the heat of conflict, it's, you kind of lose track of, you know, what can help at this very moment and having something like that um, can, can definitely help. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, like the positive parenting solution. Um, course i mean it's it's a bit similar but um not not like yours not where where it's not like lessons or anything like that mm -hmm. it's she's just you know a, a therapist or who's worked with a lot of families but that, i think that would be a, a great supplement um yes it's it's again it's you guys are not competing it's more it would be more of a complementary mm -hmm. um thing to have but yeah that's i like that i like that you know as um looking at my wall and I have this one page from my 11 year old who wrote yesterday, like he was being disrespectful in his talk to me mm -hmm. <laughs> and my ways, you got to think about this and write, you know, 20 sentences, not the same, but like what are different ways that we can approach this? And so he has, to, he's forced to think about it and come up with better ways. And, and he did. And so I have it posted on my wall <laughs> yeah. so that if he forgets, I can remind him that like having him, you know, watch this video or whatnot would be also helpful, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, it's more compelling than just a blank page where you have to write <laughs> to see. Yeah, and it is. <laughs> and it, it points to what, what you're describing points to something that we're always wanting to do at Uplift, which is how do we redirect the child back to their own experience? What is their own direct experience with this topic? Um, and how do they create their own meaning mm -hmm. um, around it? Uh, and a, an evolving sense of meaning, which yeah. I think is kind of what you're talking about yeah like I'm since they were little like uh from the moment because writing is an effort right it, it they don't especially like it but it kind of forces them to they have to dig especially when I asking for like 20 sentences uh and not the same it's not like you're gonna find one and then repeat it no it's 20 different sentences that explain one subject <laughs> it, it's also calculated so that they can get ready for you know higher education and whatnot <laughs> but um but yeah because it forces them to think really deeply about the situation they have to dig deeper right and try to understand and because i'm done explaining like we've we've done that already so it's like what do you know and and you realize when they do things like that how much they actually understand <laughs> what happened what could have been better like because they come up with all the solutions they they know the solutions <laughs> so it's it's interesting but then i think it will also be maybe um more uh validating you know the, the way i see it i mean i haven't even watched the video but i have a sense that it would tell them that it's okay to feel you know angry upset you know all of that that they don't have to be ashamed of having those feelings it's not about that but it's about okay we've we've had a blow up and how do we fix things because you mm -hmm. know just to, to come back to the same thing we were uh, mentioning earlier it's it's not the matter that 
it's not the fact that there are there's conflict happening is do we want to sit on there and let it fester and you know carrying it on day after day after day or do we want to you know let it happen then try to fix it as soon as possible so that we can move on to a happier place you know as as a family in a relationship or whatnot so absolutely and, and we have um lessons in our library on um emotional regulation and naming emotions and um you know what you're speaking to yeah that's great yeah i like it um we're coming near the end of of the lesson flow here so just to kind of move us in that direction again this is for this section here is is for little kids Mm -hmm. right and so how do you again take the same concept and simplify it in a way that's appropriate for um, a five-year-old like you're asking and what we what you can see is that we've made it even more concrete and so we've taken these conflict styles and we've um, represented them as animals. Mm. And then we've got a printable uh, coloring page here for them. That could, they can... could you speak to these? Because I think that's really great. Um, just, you know, if uh, someone is listening to this, but can you, can you say the animal that you picked for which conflict uh, or which, um, yes. Yeah, you. What does it represent? What what each animal represents? Yeah, of course. So uh, again, we got fight, flight, and freeze, which correlate with uh, aggression and avoidance and accommodation. And here we have got the tiger representing um, aggression or that fight tendency. We've got the the turtle who represents the fleeing or the avoidance, and we've got the chameleon. Um, who represents the freezing or the uh, the accommodation? So you know they don't go away, but they they just kind of try to blend in. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> that's that's well just a yeah. That's just a way to take you know in the teens area we uh, use abstract language mm-hmm. in a developmentally appropriate way, and this is a way for kids in the preschool range. We make it very concrete, very simple. Um, yeah, what is what, how can we explain this uh, in a way that's just extremely concrete and, and uh, in, in words and concepts that uh, they we'll can be process. able to relate? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Uh, in this lesson, we, we offer like an optional uh, craft suggestion. And, and in our newest lessons, um, we have a section that's about keeping the conversation going mm-hmm. and with a kind of an array of options to kind of revisit the topic in really simple ways throughout a week. And in this case, it's a, you know, a child can create their own strategies for dealing with conflict and put them in a jar like popsicle sticks. Um, and they can kind of pull them out of the jar when something happens, right? So uh, more hands-on, more, you know, kind of kinesthetic in a way. And um, we didn't cover this earlier, but, um, you know, you're getting, a, you're getting a snapshot of a single lesson which I think um, illustrates a lot of the principles that we use and the sort of patterns that we have in our lessons. But, uh, you know, uh, rather than have a video and an opening activity, we'll often have something that's more embodied or movement Mm -hmm. body-based. Or I'm thinking of our focus, uh, a lesson on focus where we actually suggest a game and they play a round of the game where there's a distraction built in and then they play a round of the game where there's no distraction and they get to reflect on what was hard and easy about both of those rounds. That's nice. Um, so it's actual, I mean, it's real uh, issues or, you know, 
struggles that kids may have right right here right now mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. addressed mm -hmm. and then um you know we've got a closing activity the family can do together so after family members have been able to reflect on their style they get to kind of share that with each other and in this case it's a discussion and they can talk about strategies for um, relying on their style in a more mature way and also they can discuss like how do they want to be with conflict in the home in uh, other in other lessons uh, we might uh, take a different approach so in our lesson on grit we suggest that the family collaborate on a um, selecting their favorite song for grit so that when the family is moving through a challenging time together they can play the song That's and it'll cool. have this kind of added meaning mm -hmm. it also lends itself to maybe becoming a bit of like an inside joke <laughs> over time it's like a little family quirk a little family um, tradition mm -hmm. uh, and it also has the potential over time to grow in poignancy where a child is now an adult and when they hear that song they remember mm -hmm things that they've learned or experiences that they had as a family. That's really neat. So how did you come up with that? Is that something your family did? All of these lessons, we, we, <laughs> we spend hours collaborating on the lessons. We delve into the research. We delve into the wisdom. We meet together. We have extensive conversations. Yeah. So the grit song came out of just, just immersing ourselves um, in the topic of grit. And um, at some point, someone had read like, you know, how uh, research shows music really um, connects us to like, you know, feelings, connects mm -hmm. us to each other, connects us to a moment. And so, yeah, it was just, it was an emergent idea. Like, what about a family grit song? That's nice. um, I like that. Yeah. I like that. And it's, it's also uniting for sure. Nice. I, I like it. I really like it. This this has more. I mean, I, I looked, you know, at the website, but I kind of brushed through it. I, I wanted you guys to, you know, be able to, ex to to share and explain it more. So and it has a lot more than I actually thought it had. So that's really, really great. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and, um, and I can, yeah, it gave me ideas of, you know, how I could use it even. Um, I was thinking with my youngest, but even my oldest, because, you know, I have two teens and sometimes... I'm always open to new ideas as how to approach and they're just constantly changing. Uh, communication is changing. Conflicts is constant and you have to just be creative. So having ideas from <laughs> people who've looked into it is always a good thing for me. So I hope mm -hmm. that I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that many of uh, my listeners and I can, I can also find them uh, who, uh, will be able to use this um, because it, it is definitely the top um, top three, I would say top three, top five uh, challenge for people transitioning out. You know, mm -hmm. what am I going to do with my kids? What am I going to teach them? You know, how do I have foundation for them? So I, like you were saying, like you, as you've seen, um, I've, I've also seen uh, many people uh, bringing up that issue. So that's definitely a, a great help for that. That's great. Thank you. Great Thank you for here. creating it. <laughs> and just to Juliana, just to close connect to something you're saying, I have, you know, a range of ages. I have teens and I have an eight-year-old mm -hmm. and you alluded to this before, but the eight-year-old is way more open mm -hmm. to sitting down with me 
um, and moving through formally a conversation or a lesson. And the teens aren't always as open to that. So sometimes it's as simple as like texting one of the uplift videos, sending Mm. them in a text. What do you think about this? Or when something or conversation organically comes up, Mm -hmm. you know, at at my fingertips, I have questions that will open up a conversation about um, the topic. So yeah, yeah, we're in the car, like we do a lot of driving around. So that those are opportunities. Like I love my, my, you know, quality time with kids in the car because it's like we're trapped together let's connect you know car time is huge Mm -hmm. yeah yeah amanda's speaking to uh, i think just like what it's the what is at the heart of our mission at uplift Mm -hmm. which is to really empower parents to uh, give their kids a spiritual foundation that they can rely on and one that is sourced from their own inner knowing and that's part of um we've alluded to this, but we have an approach that we follow with every lesson and there's seven points of it and, and people can learn more about it on our website, but that inner knowing is part of it. And then it's bookended on the other end with relationship that all this is happening in relationship and a certain sensitivity to what is relevant and timely and important in this relationship now. Um, And also the developmental appropriateness um, in the way that's been scaled up and down. Yeah, no, that's brilliant the way you did that. And I would say, I mean, I would say that it's more than just spiritual. I mean, it's spiritual, emotional, social, like they learn these life skills that they are going to need, you know, ongoing throughout their lives. So it's, it's all encompassing uh, the way I see it. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the heart of what we're doing and and what we're living into is developing a practical method of spiritual parenting. And I say spiritual parenting because we're carving out a niche that sits in between the traditional approach, which is church, Mm -hmm. you'd say, and a more modern secular approach that might pull in, say, mindfulness, Mm -hmm. but we believe has a missing piece, which is this point about spirituality. Mm -hmm. And um, we are influenced by Uh, The research coming out of Columbia University, a professor there named Lisa Miller, and she she wrote a book called The Spiritual Child, which I'd recommend for your listeners. And she also just recently in July published her second book called The Awakened Brain. And in it, she talks about how uh, children who grow up with a relationship to something more, this kind of spirituality that we're pointing to, they have lower rates of depression, uh, lower, lower incidence of um, addiction to, to substance, or substance abuse, and simply are just more prepared for the ups and downs of life, mm-hmm. right? greater well-being. And so that's what we're supporting currently with Uplift and what we're doing. And we also have a vision to go beyond what you've seen here today. Mm-hmm. Right? The lessons provide a way for families to come together for parents and children to have a conversation, but we can also easily see a way in which we can offer more independent learning for kids. Uh, That might be a magazine that they can do on their, they can read on their own or uh, other options and also courses for parents and skill building and capacity building. Um, Yeah. And, um, and beyond that, 
there's we, we're hearing from customers a lot about uh, how they want to be with other parents who are interested yeah. in this. I was going to ask about you, like community and uh, maybe gatherings and that that because I think there's also a a need there for sure. You know, people leaving and then wanting to gather with like-minded people. You know, have their children connect with. Um, so there's definitely room for communities as well. I the way I see it. Yeah, it's on our radar, and uh, we have some ideas around that. We also had an exciting moment recently when uh, two customers, without us knowing, um, uh, live in the same neighborhood, and they got together and they recorded a video of, of their families jointly going through one of our lessons. Nice. And um, not that not that the community aspect that you're speaking to would have to take on that form, mm-hmm. but I think it's an example of where it's organically already happening. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can see that. I mean, humans do have that, you know, need to gather and share. And uh, so having those little pods of, you know, uplift, you know, <laughs> groups around would, could be something for sure. I mean, anything good, right? Anything good needs to be brought up. So when I was in my 20s, I always thought, okay, there's there's a right way to parent. There's going to be a book. There's going to be a resource. Like, And I just read extensively. I looked to every expert I could find. And I've just come to the point where realizing parenting is a dynamic process. Yeah. It's we're the, the humans we're parenting are dynamic. We're dynamic. And so we're changing um, our relationships and our, and our approach to guiding humans into adulthood all the time. Yeah, so, so the environment as well mm-hmm. is changing and we have yes. to adapt constantly. I mean, clearly um, I, I see it and you see it. And so it's, it's, it's being able to, we, we need to be like water and, and just transform as, as needed. Yes. And wider is, I think that's just such a beautiful word. It's like how much room can we make for different ways of being and, um, and different ways of exploring for ourselves and for our children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited for you guys. I can see this uh, blowing up and becoming, you know, something really big and, um, yeah, thank you for coming on. And, and I was, you know, I, I had a, bit of an idea of what this might be but I think you definitely um shed some lights on you know how much more it is than than what I thought it was so we're we're excited too and um I think what I'm excited about most is the the potential to have a big impact Mm -hmm. in obvious and, and maybe very not obvious ways but just hearing you say that a moment ago it makes me think of uh, a story that one of our customers relayed to us who'd been using Uplift for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like her kids were starting to get it. Mm-hmm. And she has an eight-year-old boy who after, um, after the lesson on calming anxiety mm-hmm. was feeling upset by his little sister. Mm-hmm. And he grabbed his coloring pencils and he stormed into his bedroom. And mom waited, you know, maybe about 10 minutes and then poked her head in. And he was there at his desk coloring a waterfall, Mm. calm and serene. Mm. He had, he had Mm self-soothed. This was something that he had uh, learned in the lesson on common anxiety and specifically that like coloring is like a technique that works for him. Yeah. That's really neat. That's That's like a beautiful moment. And it really makes me wonder like 
Um, How many more need that tool, you know, because it's almost like we know everything is out there, right? I mean, there's millions of people, there's millions of therapists, there's millions of books. Um, you use words that clearly I can't understand that are not new to me, but to me, it's just like a recipe, right? People come up with new recipes, new combinations that specific people need and haven't heard yet. You know, just like I'm telling you, I'm, I have this course, you know, positive parenting solution. Well, they don't, they haven't combined things. I mean, they, what, whatever they do is fantastic, but they don't have your recipes. And so you creating those recipes that, um, you know, some people need that specifically. And so that's really, mm -hmm. that's really, really neat. It's, yeah. it's nice for you to see the results. Yeah. Yeah. It's that impact. And, and I wonder what kind of man does that boy become? You know, mm. when he's 20, yeah. who, is, who is he then mm -hmm. if he's had opportunities and conversations because, you know, he's not learning that at school mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he's not learning that at church. Right. 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 And right. that's the, the gap that we're, that we're filling. And um, yeah, we're excited to see see it unfold we're, we're here to serve serve its purpose <laughs> awesome awesome well i'm super excited um i will definitely put all of the notes in the notes i will put you know where to find you if there's anything else outside of the website if you have like youtube or i don't know podcasts or i don't know anything <laughs> articles Ram. yeah uh, just just email it to me and i'll add it thank you so much i don't know if you have one last word that you want to share or if you feel like you've you've said everything that you wanted i've i've been definitely in learning mode here and very impressed with what you're doing i'm grateful for anyone out there who's willing to um come up with with those you know filling those gaps like you say because there's so such great needs among children and youth today for example like my kids my teens go to this huge high school here in texas where it's so competitive. So only a few kids get to go to the sport thing, you know, and, and, and they take it so seriously. And it kind of like push so many out where they lose interest. They don't even want to do it anymore. And it's so sad to me because it's like, <laughs> you know, it, 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 school shouldn't be like, like that. It should be more open and allow everyone because they're there to develop themselves. They're not there to create little super league or with champions or whatever that's not what in my mind that's not what a school is for or high school is for i mean they can do that later if they want to be professional but school is there so they can learn those skills simply and and Absolutely. learn how to you know uh work with each other and and all of these different things that you do learn when you do a sport whether regardless if you're good or bad you, you learn you know camaraderie and teamwork and all these things that so many kids are pushed away because mm -hmm. their goal is to have the best of the best so they can compete against the other school and da da da, da. like and not being american it's even worse for me because i'm like i yeah. really don't get it you know being yeah. from europe i'm like sport I, is an outside yes. school thing where i come from it's not even you know i mean it's what's in the school is for everyone every single kid has an opportunity to to be a part you know what you're saying resonates so deeply with me so i'm a school psychologist mm -hmm. so i work with kids in schools and i work with the kids who are often um kind of on the outskirts mm -hmm. uh and aren't totally included in 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 the in the mainstream what's happening they they struggle to um for whatever reason to kind of keep up with with um 
like what the program is. And so much of school is number one, we treat children as disembodied beings, you know, from the head up and we focus on this part of their being and we forget about their bodies and we forget about their feelings and we forget about um, interrelatedness. And I hear you speaking to that. And I think it's so important. And, and just the focus on achievement and excellence, like the, everything at school should be used as a tool to, for, to help kids pry themselves open. How do I feel like yeah. an adequate, uh, capable human being? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I would love also to be a part of a solution to help, you know, on a different level, those who are like, you know what, I'm going to do it my way. And because some will. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have, uh, I mean, what you're pointing to is something that we've considered at Uplift. We have an advisor whose who's background is in Montessori and Waldorf. And she was very quick to say this has the potential to be like a new educational movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I see that. I see that. And we're in, we're in some conversations with clinicians who are really interested in the work that we're doing and the possibility to collaborate and create like a network where um, who knows what, what, what shape it'll take exactly, but you know, a parent could um, kind of with a lot of support design a structure that their child can move through that pries them open and keeps them open. And yeah. you know, that's our, that's our goal at Uplift. Yeah, that, that would definitely be ideal. Well, thank you so much. We've, um, we've covered some ground here and um, what, what are the best ways to reach out? Or do you prefer email? What do you prefer if people want to ask more information or? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we'll give you the, the website URL, which you have, but, um, and then, you know, my email address or that we can give them just info at upliftkids.org is a probably best way if they've just got questions and they want to reach out. Um, we have an Instagram account if people okay. are, are into that. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'll put everything, I, I'll list everything you have uh, that's public that you want, you know, ways for people to reach you, reach you. So awesome. We, we appreciate that. And um, just thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you for having us. Yes. I hope we, we get to meet one day in person. That's always, you know, a fun thing when I get to see the, the people I've, I've had on. So if you're ever in Texas, just yeah, let me know. Same. I'm in the <laughs> Bay Area. So. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Face Transition Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were inspired. I encourage you to go to the website upliftkids.org and explore what's in there. Also sign up for the newsletter. I believe you receive a free lesson once a week when you sign up for the newsletter. And if you enjoyed this podcast and any other, feel free to leave comments on iTunes or Spotify or wherever platform you're listening from. This is your host, Juliana, and I will see you next time.